Welcome to the DRF Sports Podcast, brought to you by DRF Sports. America's most trusted name in horse racing is now providing sports bettors with exclusive data, analytics, previews, videos, and expert picks on all major sports. Bet smarter and have more fun doing it. It's the DRF Sports Podcast, and now your host, Sheldon Alexander. Ready, set, bet. This is the DRS Sports Podcast, episode 13. Make sure you like and follow wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Sheldon Alexander. A reminder, we do this twice a week. On Tuesdays, we recap the week that was. And on Fridays, it's the Picks Pod. Week six of the NFL season got underway with one of the toughest losses I've had in a while, with the Bucks failing to cover the seven points, despite dominating the entire game. That's all right not bitter. We just stay to what we know. And what we know is for the best info that you need, you got to check out drf.com slash sports, because that's where you can get all of the details and insights, including power trends, line movements, team stats, and even more betting angles, including our guy, Scott Grambling's weekly six pack in both the NFL and NCAA. So make sure you check us out drf.com slash sports. That's where you need to be every day for our game previews. Plus, of course, we go in depth on this podcast. Recently, we had a chance to do an NBA betting season preview where you get all the insight you need into MVP bets for future trends, who's going to win the NBA title, coach of the year, all that, and so much more. Basically, however you want your betting information, we've got you covered drf.com slash sports. But as mentioned on today's show, it's the picks pod. And a lot of people had a rough week last week, but somehow I managed to have a winning week just barely. And so my guy, Matt Russell is back to help me stay the course. And he joins me right about now. I can't lie. As someone who was on bucks minus seven last night, I'm still a little rattled here, so I'm happy to be joined by my guy, Matt Russell, to, to kind of help me through this and explain some of this to me. But how, how are you doing before I, I get into this here? Because I'm fired up already. <laughs> Man, I'm fantastic. Listen, we talked about it on Tuesday. I didn't love this game, right? We can't force bets if we don't absolutely have to. And we talk about, okay, well... If it gets to seven and a half, then we have to start really having a conversation about the Eagles. And at no point was I necessarily looking to bet on the Bucks. But man, like watching that game and going and, you know, I've experienced every one of these, right? Like just about every one of these sorts of games, like just a full on, you know, I guess I don't know that I, I love calling it a bad beat because, you know, the strategy was sound. Mm-hmm. There was still plenty of you know time left in the game. And, you, you know, you do what you can to sort of come back in a game. You know, I would be mad at the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for you know, taking the air out of the ball, if you will. <laughs> um, but I know I just and, and I feel bad. Right. But like all you can do is laugh because you look at that line and not that the line was necessarily suspect, but like. You go, okay, like Philly, you know, plus seven, like I don't love it. I, you know, I'm certainly not laying over a touchdown or expecting Tampa to win by more than a touchdown on the road, you know, not against anybody with a pulse. Mm-hmm. And then like something like that happens. You're just like, man, I couldn't be happier with not being involved in that game, even <laughs> though my lean, right, was to the Eagles, if we could get a yeah. little bit extra value on it. And of course, then you watch the, the line from when we spoke, it goes down to six and a half in a lot of mm-hmm. places. 
and yeah. you just go like, you, you know, I, and, and again, I'm like, well, I'm, I guess I'm probably onto something, you know, wanting or not necessarily wanting to, but like leaning towards the Eagles, uh, you know, as it goes to six and a half. And then just for it to fall that way where it lands on six and you just go like the NFL, man, like the NFL, like as much as everybody wants to think that there is a, you know, obvious side on all these different matchups that we'll get into this week and forever going forward. There just isn't like the spreads are really good. Like again, we'd always talk about the gravitational pull to a tie, right. With teams doing whatever they can to come back and the favorites being just fine with winning the game. Like that's just how it works. So like when people complain about it, I just kind of go like, that's just how it works, right? Like it's so hard to blow a team out and like teams don't even really want to blow teams out. They just want to get out of there with the win. But here's here's my thing. And I understand all that. And and we've been having these, quote unquote, <laughs> therapy sessions for a few years here. Yeah. But I'm looking at that game and I'm saying, hey, Bucks minus seven. I know it's not so much. I've learned about, you know, accepting the fact that, OK, you lost the bet, but I feel like I was OK on the right side. Like I'm not mad at me making that bet on the Bucks minus seven. Here, here we are. Bucks dominate that game. They're up 28 to seven late. The Eagles are out here going for two when they were down 14. And, yeah. you know, some people might not really understand what's going on there. So that's one thing. We've seen the Tampa Bay side of things combined with Bruce Arians risk it for the biscuit. So they're out here trying to score points all the time. And then we're seeing them kind of just slow things down up six. All of these things seem so weird. And it's just like, <laughs> How, how is this not a cover for the Bucks? That's what I'm saying here. So let's yeah, start, no, let's start with the, the going for, for two. Two-point yeah. conversion. Can we explain that to people? Yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to think, and listen, I'm always surprised when I you know read different comments or, or messages that I get about you know, football handicapping. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think we're all going to get educated to the point where you know, where the edge is going to be gone. And then I get these messages. I'm like, no, we still have a ways to go. Right. This is what I'm saying. And, and so uh, we've been on this crusade for what, four or five years. I think I remember like an Eli Manning or certainly a Giants game on a Monday night. Like I think Odell Beckham Jr. was involved. It was in Atlanta. And it was like the first time on primetime that a team that was down 14 went for two. And, and the obvious thing is, right, there's a 50% chance sort of mathematically, if you will, that you're going to get the two point conversion and if you're down 14 you have two chances to get that two-point conversion so if you don't get it it sucks right but again mathematically in theory you would get the second one just based on the premise of the thing but like it's just based on the idea that everybody thinks that if you get to overtime you are going to win the game right and that all we need to do is get to overtime and we're fine so if you're down 14 no getting to overtime is not good enough because you are then still in a lot of ways a literal coin flip away Mm -hmm. from losing right it is a 50 50 proposition once you get to overtime so why add that into your you know comeback win probability when you can try to get it down to six right where you can get it down to a point where that second touchdown if that happens just requires the extra point now, listen, there's no guarantee of that extra point being made on that second time around. But <laughs> especially guess what? these days. <laughs> exactly. Guess what? There's no guarantee of that extra point being made on this touchdown, right? That first touchdown that you make, right? So it isn't a 100% or 98% probability of you making that. So all of that is to say, right, they're just removing the extra coin flip element of overtime in the effort to come back. 
right? Mm -hmm. So like, it is the right decision. You are taking out that divide by two in the formula, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, and I think we're getting to the point where it's not all that surprising, but it doesn't help when like national and uh, analysts who, again, unfortunately, maybe only catch one or two games a week and don't necessarily have this circumstance come up in their lives. Mm -hmm. When they go, I don't know if we should be doing this. It's like, no, it's absolutely and always has been the right move right and i'm sorry like it's difficult for people who are you know maybe flunked out of high school math class to necessarily <laughs> understand it but it just is right so um that's the situation and again that's why eight is becoming a more uh important number in the nfl right we always you know three and seven that was always the big talk right now we talk about six with when it comes to overtime and how often how much more frequently a team wins by six in overtime than they used to right used to just go down kick a field goal and it was done and so six eight like these are all really important numbers and they're really important numbers for teases, right? We always talk yeah. now about like the two and a half point spread, bump that thing up to eight and a half, because then you don't care if the guy's making or missing the two point conversion. In fact, you kind of rather prefer, you know, they go for it there because you don't know, you know, you don't, you have less of a chance of finding yourself in overtime or some other weird stuff happening. So, um, you know, end of the day, like <laughs> it's the right decision. Nothing untoward happened, right? Like there was no yeah. reason for the bucks to kick the field goal late versus take knees. Like that doesn't make any sense. We've just watched again, every kick getting missed last week. <laughs> Who's to say like that was going to be a guarantee. And like the, the total hinges on that kick and the spread would have hinged on that kick and all of that sort of thing. And so that, and that's why we watch, man, like, because yeah. it just drags us in and like, you could have turned that game off at 28 to seven, uh, you know, or, or just gone for a walk because maybe you were on the Eagles and then you come back an hour later and you're just like, how did we get here? And like, yeah, the exactly. Eagles were never really a threat to win the game, but that's what the point spreads for, man. That's yeah. what the point spreads for. All of these games effectively come down to kind of a coin flip play. And in this case, it was that two point conversion, right? It's a 50 50 proposition. However, we got there, right? There's always one play that's going to swing it one way or another. And that's why we love it and sometimes hate it. <laughs> well, that's why we're here, right? And that's what I love that we try to do on this podcast, where sometimes we can allow for the explanation to sometimes the OG betters that know exactly what you're talking about because they're paying attention to the lines and have been for a while, but also take some time to explain to maybe the new people who are just dipping their toe in and they're sitting there listening to, as you mentioned, the national broadcasts, which sometimes those dudes are not really talking along the same lines as us. Right. So Absolutely. we try to bridge that gap here as we can. And as we continue to do so, looking at the rest of the lines here from the NFL, because I'm going to try to go through the lines as always, giving my lean on which side or the next. Matt comes in giving, as I like to say, some information and education on where the line is, where it's going. And, you know, that's what we try to do here. So let's start with another London game, which yeah, the NFL back. just continues to be, you know, sending out the hits to London. So we got yeah. the one in four Dolphins taking on the 0 and 5 Jags. Wow. Dolphins <laughs> yeah. are three point favorites. And this game, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just taking the points. I'm being just blatantly honest. I'm not even going to try to break it down even more. I'll leave that to the professional here. <laughs> I'm just saying these two trash teams. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to watch this game. I'm going to wake up. Maybe it'll be on in the background or something, but I'm not dedicating time to these trash teams at 9 a.m. in the morning. I feel bad for London. 
Yeah, I, I wish it was as simple as just like half paying attention to it. But you're right, right? Like it's a mandatory bet. Frankly, it's not any different than Atlanta and New York. And that didn't work out. But like, you know, I'd make that bet a bunch of different times, right? I would expect a little bit of better effort, you know, in the morning, like speaking of rolling out of bed, right? From the Jets. And again, we don't know. We don't know. Maybe Miami's more prepared. Maybe Jacksonville's more prepared. And I think normally we would sort of rely on the concept of like Brian Flores, like we like him more as a coach than we do Urban Meyer because we like literally everybody uh, as a coach more than we like (laughs) Urban Meyer. Not to take anything away from Brian Flores necessarily, but that team's a a Damian Harris fumble away from 0-5. And if we're being honest here, probably the Jacksonville Jaguars are, you know, a fourth and one at the goal line conversion against the Bengals at the end of that first half from going up 21 nothing and probably winning that game. Right. As much as, you know, they are the Jags, you know, having a three touchdown lead is a lot bigger deal than a two touchdown lead. And so we could be talking about the 0 and 5 Dolphins against the 1 and 4 Bengals, right? And again, uh, excuse me, against the 1 and 4 Jags. And so, you know, listen, I it's funny that you just sort of go like, yeah, these two teams are trash and all that sort of thing. It's like that's a really strong summation for a bunch <laughs> of other metrics that I could like start slinging at you, right? Like we could get into <laughs> yards per play on offense and defense and how yeah. Miami is worse than Jacksonville in both of those categories, especially lately. Right. And this is a what have you done for me lately league. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jacksonville comes in here and their offense is actually I don't want to use the word cooking, but like they're certainly like dicing some stuff. Right. Like some moves. Yeah. Like they're preheating the oven here a little bit. James (laughs) Robinson's now like officially on the team. Like he's officially involved in the offense. Urban Meyer has gotten a text late night from James Robinson saying you up. And he's like, Oh, James Robinson's in the mix. Oh, maybe I should use him. And they are right. He's averaging over a hundred yards per game over these last three games. And so once they start running the offense through him, now they're clicking at an over 6.0 yards per play clip here. Right. And they actually out yards per played, if you will, Tennessee last week now they got blown out so you look at the scoreboard and again we talk about these one o'clock Sunday games where like maybe we're not super locked in to certain matchups and so you weren't super locked in to Jags and Titans and that's a game that could have gone a bunch of different ways you know better for the Jags including not having basically on the first play of the game a dubious fumble being returned for a touchdown and have them go down seven nothing immediately of course some goal line issues yet again for the Jags on offense there so all that is to say yeah like you have to take the points everybody did it's the same it's it's so funny it's the same situation as last week where it was opened at three and a half everybody sat around looked at them each other and were like why is this three and a half they bet the jags and now it's down to three right like it isn't that complicated we all just were like we'll take the hook on this situation right so you know i i wrote about it this week like I feel like we could flash forward to a joke that we're going to make like three weeks from now about how the Jags are still looking for their first win in over a year on North American soil, because I think they win this game this weekend. Oh, I don't care that like Tua might be back and all that sort of thing. Like we've gone over this. And as much as Jacoby Brissett has been, you know, not particularly great. I don't think anything changes if Tua was in the lineup the last three weeks or is coming back this week. Cause I don't know. I don't think that there's any difference between the two teams. And again, another sort of thing where you, you listen to people sort of shoot messages at you and you're like, you people really think Tua Tagovailoa is better than Trevor Lawrence at this point. Now, not that this is, you know, they're not playing darts, right? It's not a one-on-one competition, <laughs> but like Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Tua. 
and and was when he was at college and and just is a better prospect going forward and the dolphins would absolutely trade to a for trevor lawrence tomorrow sorry that's just facts hate to you know hate to break that to you everybody Mm-hmm. So right now the Dolphins don't have even as good of a weapon as the Jags do when we talk about the guys that they have on the team, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and James Robinson. So whether it's looking at the two teams from a talent standpoint, you know, the weaponry, et cetera, et cetera, or just the metrics, the yards per play stuff, Jacksonville might be the better team here. And I know that's kind of a bummer for everybody who thought we were going to have a better version of this Dolphins team, but that's a team that relies on turning you over defensively, right? There was a lot of kind of voodoo-y type wins. And we would brush that off last year as like, well, you know, the defense, man, the defense, like they're turning, you know, turning guys over, getting scores on defense. Well, what happens if that dries up? Well, guess what? We're seeing what happens if that dries up. And that's, you know, it would be 0-5, except for they got the turnover in week one against the Patriots. And listen, I'm not slagging the Dolphins for that. We had the Dolphins in that game. We had the Dolphins money line. I'm, you know, I'll be forever grateful to the Dolphins for getting that fumble. But we're talking about predictive stuff here, right? We're, we're talking about going forward and trying to figure out what these teams are about and what the quality level is for these teams. And there's nothing nothing that says that the Dolphins from a predictive standpoint are a team that we should be backing. Now they might win by three touchdowns. They might pick Trevor Lawrence off three times. They might get those turnovers, right? They might get things cooking and listen, it's urban Meyer. It's London. Who knows what trouble that guy might get into or how prepared the Jacksonville Jaguars might be. And we might see that in the first half and be bummed out about it. But again, like we can't make those predictions. We can't just assume that one team is going to be more prepared over another team, uh, especially when, you know, again, like you said, both teams, pretty garbage. Yeah. And I think, you know, this was almost a perfect game to follow up our conversation on the Thursday nighter because focus is more so trying to be on the correct side of things. Of course, you could be out here in Jacoby Brissett or who. Tua comes out and bombs like five touchdowns. Cool. Find me the person that was really going to predict that and sit on that side. That's more so what we're talking about here. And as we try to continue to remain on the correct side of things, you mentioned moving forward and let's move forward with some better teams as in the five and O Cardinals at the three and two Browns, the Browns are favored by three and a half points. And I like the Browns to win this game That's my early lean, but the hook has me a little nervous here. And I think that's what the hook is meant to do here, right? (laughs) Because I'm like, I really like the Browns. But that half point. Yeah, I mean, that's the the thing. But like, again, how did we get there, right? How did we get to this half point? And it started two and a half. And, you know, I can can speak for experience. We jumped on that two and a half, right? As a society, uh, as as a sort of sharp betting (laughs) society, if you will. Uh, We jumped on that two and a half earlier on the week. We saw it go to three, right? The contest Mm -hmm. line in Las Vegas is three. And now we see it up to three and a half on Thursday once limits went up, right? And so again, how does that look from a, you know, betting industry standpoint? Well, first of all, it looks like two and a half was way too low. Fine. We get to three limits, you know, get increased. People go, well, we're not going to see two and a half ever again. And it's then kind 
becomes a race to get to minus three and they get to minus three and that sends it up over the three and a half. And part of that is news, right? So like there's some COVID issues potentially with the Cardinals. Chandler Jones isn't going to be playing this weekend. There's uh, all pro potential center for the Cardinals isn't going to play. Right. So like less flashy guys, if you will, mm-hmm. obviously you have some Car- Kyler Murray injury potential there as well. Right. He's doing the, he's doing the arm twist shake thingy that uh, late in that game against San Francisco. And by the way, fundamentally, Cleveland's a better football team than the Arizona Cardinals. And so, you know, I get flack again. This, I, you know, this has turned into an I get flack uh, theme, theme, theme episode. But like I get flack for not bumping the Cardinals up higher in my ratings. And if you want to go just by schedule and by and by record, <laughs> that's what the standings are for. Right. Yeah. You can click on ESPN.com and go straight to the standings and you can do the math yourself that, yes, the Cardinals are undefeated. Is that predictive of anything going forward? Absolutely not. And at this rate of the just excitement over the Cardinals, uh-huh. I would say that they're probably not going to finish above 500 against the spread the rest of the season, because that's where we're at with just the uh, excitement, the overratedness, again, relative to the marketplace. They might finish 11 and six. They might finish 12 and five. But again, I'm telling you, I don't think they're finishing above the spread uh, above 500 the rest of the way against the spread. That being said, right, we have seen the correction and. It, these things don't take that long in the NFL market, right? It's not like you get five straight weeks of a team being overrated. That stuff gets sort of, you know, pounded out of the line. And that's what we saw this week, right? Where two and a half was just absolute gold. Now, again, stuff might happen. You never know. We're expecting some weather, a little, you know, heavy wind, Cleveland, Lake Erie type situation this week. Who do you think that favors? It's obviously Cleveland, right? So everything's going Cleveland's way here when it comes to situation. And just the fervor over the Cardinals here, I think is just, it's just way too much. And that's going to be a theme for this week, you know, spoiler alert, but that's going to be a theme because there's a fervor over a lot of teams. And again, every one of them is deserved and not that surprising, right? This isn't like Carolina going three and zero. It's yeah. really just like, all right, we need to just everyone needs to calm down about the standings and like these hot teams coming in because again, what's the motto, right? Nobody's as good as last week. Nobody is as bad as they looked last week. So mm-hmm. yeah, this one is one of my favorite plays here. I grabbed the two and a half. I certainly grabbed the three. Obviously, once we get into three and a half, that's a little dicey. But I will say, I did have this thought this week and i never have this thought because i just i'm not wired that way i did wonder myself like what's the best like alt spread cleveland browns number that i can get like a minus seven and a half for a for a really good price like a minus 10 for a really good price because i think there's a very real possibility here that cleveland wins this one big this weekend i love it so don't be as nervous about the hook. I love that. And that's, again, what we try to do here, explain where the line was, where it's going, and where it's at now, trying to figure that all out because it helps me go forward and think, you know what? I'm okay. I'm I'm confident in taking Cleveland now. And that's all we want to do. Um, another team I'm also very confident in is the 4-1 and one Chargers at the 4-1 and one Ravens. Ravens are at home and favored by two and a half points. And somehow these Ravens keep pulling off these miracle <laughs> games. The Lamar Jackson roller coaster is a trip yeah. if you're a fan. And also if you're just betting on those games, like it's just crazy. Flip side, though, if Justin Herbert and the Chargers are getting points, I'm just going to be there on that train. And 
you mentioned loving the head coach. You're correct. I'm fully on that wave. <laughs> no field goals. We're going four down football. I love it. My guy, as you mentioned, giving great press conferences. You were weeks ahead of this. You told me you predicted the future that I would be buying into my guy here. And I'm there. So again, Chargers getting points. I am in. Where are you at on this one? Okay. So yes, you know, preface everything with, you know, if you're new to the podcast or just a couple of weeks into the podcast, we have chargers to win the AFC from before the season starts. We have chargers to win the division plus 500 from where the season starts. And when it comes to grading bets, by the way, how do those two bets look right now? Pretty good, right? Might not win. Might not win. And frankly, at this point, probably won't win. I mean, the AFC West one has a better, better of a chance, right? Yeah. But those are really good bets. And we'll mm-hmm. sort of take our chances from there. Uh, Brandon Staley, plus 1,400 from before the season starts. Brandon Staley, plus 700 from last week to win coach of the year, right? And every week there's a viral video clip showing that that guy is one, a really good head coach who is doing stuff. I made the joke last week, right? The entire league's playing, uh, uh, he's playing chess, excuse me, while the other team's looking at a checkers board trying to eat the pieces on the checkers board. Like that is the difference between him and a lot of these other guys. (laughs) So all that is to say, really, (laughs) and I probably said this last week, I'm sure I did, really, really tough spot for the Chargers, right? Big time wins over and over and over again. And they got to go cross country to Baltimore, a team that, listen, it wasn't pretty on Monday, which is why we're getting the value of two and a half points here in a game that should have been over and was over a field goal. So we just talked about it in a reverse Ah. way, right? How did we get here? We went from three and a half down to two and a half instead of two and a half up to three and a half. Now here's the difference, right? And I don't, we don't do this very often because I don't want people to get kind of like caught up in the concept of like betting percentages, et cetera, et cetera. And like who's on what, et cetera, et cetera. Arizona, Cleveland, 61% of the bets right now are on Cleveland, right? Not a crazy amount. That's what you'd expect from a favorite. And that's not such a heavy number that you would expect a line to move just on volume. That's on, you know, size of bet. The Chargers are getting 81% of the bets as an underdog. 80 80 plus percent or that sort of range on a favorite is certainly a a, a massive red flag for that week. But when you talk about the public liking an underdog as much as that, that is a mega red flag. And so for me, it's not just about that. Obviously, the spot is brutal. Again, theme week, right? Cardinals, Chargers, and another team that we're going to talk about, who, again, they're doing it with offense. People love that. They're doing it with just enough defense. They're doing it, in this case, with really strong coaching. Some of the other teams that we're going to mention, and <laughs> including the Cardinals that we have mentioned, maybe not necessarily as strong or coaching. It's just a really tough spot, man. And like Baltimore is a good team. And yeah, they spotted the Colts a bunch of points this past Monday. And you can go like, okay, well, they had to come back. And I was really impressed with the fact that they could, Mm -hmm. right? Like we talk all the time about the Ravens, like get on the Ravens, take them out of their run game and then see what they can do. Well, here's 400 yards on you from Lamar Jackson, right? And like we talked about that last week of how now they're starting this stretch of home games where if you wanted to get in on a Lamar Jackson MVP at 25 to one, like now is the time to do it because here comes the run. I think that run continues this week against the Chargers. Again, it is nothing against the Chargers. And I'll put it this way. This might be the last time I bet against the Chargers this entire season because one of two things is going to happen. 
one, they're going to win the game outright or cover yeah. this spread. And I'm going to be so impressed by that. Then, then they're, that means they are <laughs> impervious to sort of bad spots, if you will. Right. Yeah. Or they lose this game and then they get kind of knocked down a peg a little bit. And we can get back to sort of a reasonable price on the chargers for their games for the sort of foreseeable future and them just being able to kind of move past any sort of scheduling spot going forward. So this is kind of like the one where I'm like, okay, we're going to fade the chargers here. You know, hopefully it works out and we'll be right back on them the rest of the way. Right. Still be on top of them for the whole like division scene and the playoffs and all of that sort of thing. So it is a one time only situation here that, again, had to mention all of the stuff we like about the chargers and all the bets that we have long term on the chargers this week. It's just a tough one here against the Ravens. I have the Ravens minus two and a half. So is this one of those things where it's not so much about the teams per se, as much as it is just the number in the teams? Do you know what I mean? Like, because the number is at two and a half, that makes it a lot easier for you to take the Ravens? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, crossing over minus three is absolutely critical in this play, but it's a rating thing, right? We talk about range in rating, Mm -hmm. right? So I expect a really strong game from the Ravens and I expect the Chargers to play at sort of the back end potentially of their range. Part of that is going to be because of the Ravens. Part of that's going to be because, you know, road game, all, you know, travel, all of that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And just like, you can't play this awesome all the time. And again, they were two touchdowns. Speaking of the 14 point going for two situation, right? They were two touchdowns down to the Browns and that game could have gone a lot differently. And if it does, we're probably looking at a minus three, a minus three and a half, right? So the fact that we're getting that, that price because of the high volume of chargers bets that's come in at 81%. Again, we don't talk about that very often, but like that's pretty glaring and need needs, needs to be mentioned in this case. That's why, right. It's just, you know, we're on the bandwagon. We're just going to take a quick coffee break while the bandwagon goes around the block one more time, but we're going to hop right back on that chargers bandwagon. Don't you worry about that. That's super interesting, my dude. I love it. I love the insight and analysis as always. Let's keep the train moving here. Two and three Vikings, two point favorites at the Carolina Panthers who come in with the three and two record. This line seems kind of weird to me. And maybe it's just because of the Vikings being road favorites. Not sure how comfortable I am there. Right. right? And so my lean would be to be on the Panthers except for the Sam Darnold stuff is kind of wreaking its ugly head. And I don't know if he's feeling like he's back in the Jets jersey again or what's going on. But what's your take here on this game? Vikings two point favorites. Well, our issue with Sam Darnold, right, has always been turnovers. Back to USC. I never saw him play in high school. I imagine he was turning the ball over in high school as well. (laughs) Uh, It's just it's all it's just constant. Right. And that you can't have that in the NFL. Like we talk about that being the one thing we don't like about Lamar, right? He gets loose with the football. Well, like Sam Darnold is the mayor of loose town when it comes to like (laughs) being loose with the football and whether it's fumbles or three interceptions last week, it's just like, I can't rely on this guy home road like that. You know, again, you know, we just referenced sort of the tough spot for the chargers when it comes to like cross country travel, but like, they're also playing a really good team, Minnesota. Like, yeah, things got weird last week. Right. And we sweat the hell out of that survivor pick last week. But the fact of the matter was like, they did only give up what seven points through 58 minutes or whatever of that game. They did have a 10 point lead, by the way, they only gave up 14 to Cleveland you know, a week before that. And while they were only able to muster seven to Cleveland and, and weren't in the red zone after that first initial touchdown drive, 
you know, you just watched Cleveland just running up and down the field on, on the Chargers, a team that, as we just talked about, everybody loves. So mm-hmm. point of this is like a couple of different things. One, I just think the Vikings are the better football team. I don't have much in the line for the Panthers uh, home field advantage, you know, theoretical home field advantage. Yeah. We're not getting Christian McCaffrey back. The team is different without Christian McCaffrey. Why? Because Sam Darnold doesn't have to force things as much. Right. And that means there's less turnovers. And so if you're going to lose the turnover battle, you're probably going to lose the game. That's the thing we know about the NFL. And so from a market standpoint, we watch this line open Carolina minus one, minus one and a half. I even wrote my teaser piece for the score on Tuesday about out that line being one and a half and being like, we can get the Vikings up to seven and a half. I love that. Mm-hmm. Here's why I love that. Or here's an indicator of, of why I should have loved that. The lines jump the fence, right? It's jumped the fence to the Vikings by, you know, two here. And, you know, it was one for a little bit and it moved up to two, even some two and a halves because Thursday, right? We always talk about it. Thursdays, the, the limits go up. You can make bigger bets on Thursday. So the big money comes in on Thursday. So Thursdays are a really key day for watching line movement because you see where some of the bigger money goes. And that's the case here with the Vikings, right? So people are on, on the Vikings here in a really big way. I can't disagree with that. Again, I don't care necessarily that they're on the road. We saw them play and saw them score repeatedly against the Cardinals. The I believe that was the last Last time that the Vikings were on the road. So not worried about that. Still getting it under a field goal. I'm fine with that. So just a bunch of different things going on that are kind of worth mentioning as far as that whole like market concept is concerned. And obviously the beware of Sam Darnold concept mm-hmm. is concerned. All of these things add up to until Carolina gets Christian McCaffrey back and until they maybe get Stefan Gilmore going in that in the defense to replace JC Horn. They're just not a team that I'm afraid of. You know, you know, even laying a couple of points here on the road. Obviously, we saw them lose outright to the Eagles last week, and uh, and yeah, I just think this Vikings team. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna go to my deathbed with it. I just think this Vikings team is better than we give credit for because we're terrified of Kirk Cousins at all the time. But like, there's nobody to be more terrified of than Sam Darnold. So absolutely, give me the Vikings in this one. Yeah, you're totally right, and and I like flicked over a little more often to that. Panthers game last week to kind of see mm-hmm. what was going on with my guy, DJ Moore, who I have in fantasy and you're <laughs> right. right about no, but I, I bring that up, not for the fantasy stupid talk, but no, I'm saying sure. when I checked into that game, it was Sam Darnold just trying to force the ball in two yeah. more, like so many times. And it's just like, that's where the picks were coming from. So I'm just backing up your point here on the lack of having Christian McCaffrey and how normally we talk about running backs, you know, and the role that they play, but the role that McCaffrey plays in terms of the safety blanket a little more than that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, just that, yeah. that safety blanket for Sam Darnold. It's been a huge thing, especially when you're dealing with the guy who has those issues. So totally understand where you're coming from there. Kirk cousins. I don't like it, but he's done all right for us so far this year. So I'm yeah. still rolling with it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yeah. And honestly, what does Kirk Cousins have to do to get a little credit around here? Right. Like he wasn't the reason that things got a little squirrely there. Right. The Vikings defense obviously was a little bit of a reason, but and a sketchy yet another sketchy fumble call, by the way, I get going against the Vikings last week. This time, Alexander Madison, his progress clearly stopped. Apparently, we don't call that anymore. Who knows with the (laughs) NFL. Right. And so there's a fumble there. And it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, Kirk Cousins like drives them down the field in 30 seconds yeah. to get that game winning field goal. And it's like, it's no credit, no credit. And, and we still <laughs> go like, Oh, well they almost lost to Detroit. Like Kirk Cousins, like at it again. And you're like, 
You mean the guy who like pulled it out of the fire for like 60% of what survivor players out there. My guy can't get any credit for that. It's like, if Tom Brady did that, like we would be all about it. So obviously not comparing the two, but like, yeah, Yeah, it's not, it's, it's certainly not Kirk cousins this year. Of course, as I say that, right. I'll probably throw three interceptions. (laughs) Um, speaking of quarterback play, I'm enjoying so far what we've been seeing from your man's Dak Prescott four and one Cowboys three point favorites in new England against the two and three Patriots. Now I know that, you know, it's making me think the Patriots at home here, home dogs. My lean though, is I'm, I'm wondering, can Mac Jones really keep up with that Cowboys offense? This, this is where I come in here. This is my Joe public take here where I yeah. need you to talk me through this here because I'm just like, I can't see Mac Jones keeping up with this Cowboys offense. Are we really going to do this again? <laughs> Are we really going to do this again? Like we just did this two weeks ago, right? Like Mac Jones can't keep up with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mm-hmm. offense, right? And it's like, at least this one's right in our mind's eye from okay. two weeks ago, right? Like we don't even yeah. have to like go to, you know, you know, never, never land to kind of find out <laughs> Mac, Mac, Peter Pan Jones here and, and his and, and going up against hook, you know, speaking of the hook. Um, hey. Yeah. Like this is this theme, right? This is the theme. It's block is too hot. Block's too hot right now in the Cardinals. The block is too hot right now on the Chargers. The block's too hot right now on the Dallas Cowboys. This number can't be over three. Again, maybe they're clicking. Maybe they're awesome and all of that sort of thing. And again, we've talked about it. I have I have left room for the concept of the Cowboys being really awesome, right? I am the one who taught, you know, has referred back to the way we thought about this team last August before the absolute injury ravaged season that happened. We never give the Cowboys sort of, you know, latent credit for having a bad season from an injury standpoint. Whereas like the 49ers, for example, it's like injuries, injuries, injuries. It's like, you know, Kyle Shanahan's going to be like under 500 and like, we're going to put him in the hall of fame and it's just going to (laughs) say, well, injuries. Right. And it's like, we never give Dallas that kind of, you know, sort of latent credit in all of this. Mm So all that is to say, though, like, again, the line's just too high. It's not a, it's not a Dallas hate. It's nothing like that. It's like we see this all the time. Okay. And again, I refer back to last year, right, where it was we had Sunday night game against Baltimore. Tom, uh, Bill Belichick puts on the, you know, he turns the, the weather on, right? He turns the rain on and, and, just, and just douses the Ravens. They win that game. Then they go on the road to Houston. And everybody's just assuming that, that the Patriots are back and they're going to beat Houston. And it's way closer than the experts think. And we were all over that, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to this year. Same thing happens. Only, the, you know, replace the Ravens with the Bucks. The Texans are right in there. But do you remember oh, yeah. what happened after the Texans game last year? No. What ha- what happened was <laughs> the Patriots came home having just you know I, I believe they lost to the Texans you know having disappointed let's say on the road against against Houston and they came home and they faced a high octane flashy offensive team by the name of the Arizona Cardinals and what happened game-winning field goal for the Patriots. Oh my God, they shut down Kyler Murray. Like, you know, that was incredible. How did they pull this off? Cam Newton's running around again. He's out of the league now. (laughs) And it's the same situation, right? Where Dallas, like Arizona, three, four, you know, three and a half point favorite. Same exact deal. 
Yeah, like the Patriots are going to step up. It's what they do. They might not win the game, but this is going to be that closer than the experts think situation here. The defense is going to do just enough. We are going to see potential regression. Like, are we definitely going to get another Trayvon Diggs interception? No, not necessarily, right? And again, as much as as highly as I think of the Cowboys' potential here, we still haven't seen it discernibly and obviously, right? Like got bailed out a little bit in you know in that Chargers victory, and the rest of those wins are NFC East kind of sketchier type of victories here. <laughs> so again, okay. I, like uh, just an overvalue situation. It's not the end of the world. You know, the the Cowboys are going to be fine. They may even win this game. But as far as like. How do we get on the side that's probably going to cover, i.e. 55 to 60% of the time? It's by having value, especially across key numbers and, and being able to evaluate why we're getting that value. Right. And it's not hard to figure out why we're getting the value here, but we are right. It's the Patriots plus three and a half. Anything lower than that obviously becomes less and less interesting. But as long as it's over three, it's absolutely a Patriots bet here for me. So over three, you're leaning page. You're on the Patriots. At three, it's yeah. kind of like, uh, yeah, okay. obviously it is okay. what it is, right? The probability goes down and you don't get as excited about that bet, right? Because there's a very real possibility that the Cowboys win by three. I'm getting the feeling here that we're going to, if we fast forward the Tuesday, there's going to be a lot of me being like, I should have listened to Matt on this. And I did <laughs> listen on that. I'm just predicting a bit of the future here, but this is why I love this. This is why we do this. This is why it, it gets me, gets me hyped up in the morning when we're doing this. Cause it's so much fun. And, you know, thinking of this game as well, Belichick is known to come up with some, some ish when we yeah. least expect it, just figuring some stuff out. But I, I, I need to see it from Mac and company, but Hey, that's why they play the games, right? But that's my point. I think we didn't we? That's my point. We saw it two weeks ago. Higher, I was easier for me to take them at the higher number. What was that sure. line against the Bucks? Yeah, it was, was seven, like, right? It was seven, seven or so seven like, and a okay. half or something like that. Yeah. 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 No, so that's uh, that's understandable. No, that being okay. said, right? Are the Cowboys two points, you know, three points, you know, worse than than the Buccaneers? Yeah, yeah. No, right? trust me. Like, I, I know what you're I saying. I, I don't, don't you're think saying. so. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's I think they're I think they're a little bit worse than that, even as, as again, as highly as I think of the Cowboys. Hey, I love it. I love it. Um, I'm not sure how much I love this next game, although for people who people like ourselves who like to dabble in some of the games that might not be the most headliney type games and we're <laughs> sure. talking davis mills and carson wentz here as yeah. the one and four texans are at the one and four colts carson wentz i mean he looked pretty good i i'm struggling to say it because i can't believe the words are coming out of my mouth but he was putting up numbers on monday night but taking him by double digits i don't know if i could do that even against I said this last week against your boy Davis Mills. Can't Davis Mills get some level of respect here? 10-point underdogs? I have to, by default, lean Texans here, no? Yeah, I mean, this is insanity, right? This (laughs) 10-point spread is insane. And listen, Carson Wentz, if Carson Wentz's middle name was a gif, it would be the Larry David gif where he's just standing and like, 
looking <laughs> back and forth and just like not impressed and not really yeah. sure what he's watching. Right. Like that would be, you know, if it was, it's the, you know, Prince had a symbol, just went by a symbol for a long time. Uh, if, if okay. Carson Wentz just changed his name to a gif, that would be the gif, right? Because that's Carson Wentz, whether it's play to play or mm-hmm. game to game, you never know what you're getting, right? It's up, down, it's side, it's side to side. It's, it's rolling around on the ground. Like who knows what this guy is going to do uh, any given time. Right. And it's, that's the Sam Darnold effect, right? It's these quarterbacks who have just enough athleticism to get themselves into trouble. And so, yeah, sometimes it might work out where you end up going like Carson Wentz, pretty good. And then there's other days where you're going to be like, I can't believe I bet on Carson Wentz. And so, yeah, I suppose there's a possibility that Indy wins this game by more than 10 points. I just, I don't have it, man. Like, again, we do the thing where I flip the computer upside down and we try to shake it around and see if these numbers get back into place where it makes the Colts a 10-point favorite. I have this number 6.9, right? So basically seven. And so you're getting a free three points on the concept that Houston's really bad. And like, they're bad, but I don't think they're (laughs) bad, bad. And like, maybe, maybe Davis Mills is my boy like maybe that actually is that thing like you know he's my boy blue um (laughs) here's the situation with davis mills and if you were if we were being fair to someone right if you were you know the starting quarterback of a team or or should say a backup quarterback early early draft pick Mm -hmm. and then we said to you hey man uh we're down 10 against the cleveland browns um our starter got injured you mind going out there and like trying to lead a comeback drive and you'd be like, ah, oh, God, man, I haven't gotten to like page four yet on the playbook. So, I mean, I can do it, but like, it's probably not going to go great. And you go, okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, but here's the thing. He's going to be out for a little while. Um, we also play th- on Thursday night this coming week. We play in three days. How many more pages can you get through on the playbook? Well, I went to Stanford. Uh, I probably get two more pages under my belt in three days. Like it is, you know, pretty complicated. It's an NFL offense. Yada, yada, yada. You go, okay. All right. Um, Didn't look particularly great. That's fine. You have a little extra time to prepare. Um, Here's the thing though. We're going to Buffalo next week. It's going to be pouring rain the entire time. (laughs) And you have to keep up with Josh Allen. Um, You probably get a few more pages on the playbook. But like nobody said anything about rain and like the Bills defense and like and having to score probably 30 to 40 points to hang in this game. Right. And so guess what? They weren't ready to play in that game because like they were just never going to be ready to hang with the Bills in that game. That was the only game. And you can go back and, and go back on the tape here. But like I was fine laying 17 points with you. You know, you were like, yeah, I think I got to lay the 17 points. I was like, yeah. I think that's cool. And like, you know me well enough to know, like that's almost never happening coming out of my mouth. And then a week later happens and it's like, you know what? How about just an, a good ish team in the Patriots? You get a full week at home. Conditions aren't sketchy. Like this is finally like a real game for Davis Mills. And we got a couple plays in the old playbook here and just make a few throws. And you know what he did? He made a few throws and it wasn't his fault that the defense kind of faded down the stretch and gave up just enough points to lose, or they tried some wacky special teams, you know, buffoonery that ended up having the punter kick a guy in the back with the punt. (laughs) Like all of that stuff is not Davis's Davis Mills's fault. And he ends up with uh, like an 81 or 82 QBR for that game, right? Quarterback rating. And so that's, you know, obviously outstanding. And now he goes against the Colts team. Short week, devastating loss. 
Jekyll and Hyde, Carson Wentz, like again, a number that I've got a ton of value on. Let's break it out. Let's break out the red light here, man. Ooh. Red light special. Red light special. Okay. Watch out for the upset in this game. Okay. If you think you are getting away with taking the Colts here in Survivor and like, when am I going to use them again? Or let's just get them out of the way. My advice to you is do not do that. Again, okay. Colts might end up winning this game. I think it's going to be closer than the experts think, as they say. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be other spots. And look at it this way. Full-on Survivor strategy conversation here. The Colts play the Jets this season. They, of course, play the Jags at home this season. Let's at least watch the Colts not bleep this up before (laughs) we trust the Colts in Survivor because there will be other opportunities to do so, right? Like, let this be his audition. If they win and a bunch of people survive, that's fine because you can use the Colts against the Jets or the Jags later on, and they can't. If he loses... Well, then, A, we avoided losing, B, a bunch of people lost, and C, we now at least have some education here about whether we should be trusting him going forward. And you can make that decision later on against the Jags or the Jets, and maybe you need him to win that next game to then get some confidence to take him against that third bad team. So, again, just stay away from it. Take the (laughs) points here. Find another option for Survivor, which we will get into, of course, because that's what we do here. But, yeah, little red light special on a 10-point underdog. Didn't necessarily go that great last week, but you know what? You can't be shy about these sorts of things. Got to fire away. Shooter shoot, right? Shooter shoot. <laughs> uh, three and two Bengals. Three and a half points. Favorites on the road at the 0-5 Lions. The hook really, 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 really wants me to take the Lions. And you know oh. what? I'm going to do it. Oh, boy. The Lions got to catch a break at some point, don't they? Like, I... yeah. I, and maybe I'm emotional here, like your man's man Campbell, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who's very emotional after that loss in the post game. And my guy's up there on the podium crying and he's not so much talking about kneecaps anymore. Right. The Lions, the three and a half points, the hook, the hook is really the yeah. thing that solidifies it for me here that and- I, I want to take the Lions, and maybe it's my heart. But what should my brain? That's the thing, right? Like, if I wish he hadn't cried, like not because, <laughs> like, I don't, you know, I could care less whether dudes cry or any of that. And yeah, 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 BS, yeah, yeah. right? But it's except like, Joel Embiid. Screw that guy. Yeah, I mean that guy's. It's a gods to go situation for him. Um, <laughs> listen, I don't. Yeah, I just wish he hadn't brought the attention. Right. Like just, just okay. leave it be, man. Like we could, we could have snuck in here, maybe got four, four and a half, uh, but like a lot of people are like, yeah, I think De- Detroit has a chance. And like I do too. And this is my night out in Vegas game, right? You black out for a couple hours and you wake up and you're like, wait, the Bengals lost to the Lions. Like what, what happened? And like, it doesn't make any sense because like you said, it isn't just like the in-game bad breaks or whatever for, for the lions, right? It's the injuries that are mounting, but they were mounting last week against the Vikings. And again, we just talked about how that game's probably a 10 point Vikings win in a lot of different universes, right? It's just, we happen to live in the universe where forward progress doesn't exist. And so, (laughs) you know, in this universe where we're at, like I get why people are into the Bengals at a relatively short number, It's just like, again, I don't necessarily trust the Bengals here. I imagine they probably do well on offense, but I don't necessarily think that the 
the Lions aren't going to score here too. I think the Lions are going to score uh, against a Bengals defense that did pretty well against Green Bay. Obviously, that was an emotional game, but we didn't see anybody crying from the Bengals last week as, you know, every kick gets missed, right? Of the 30 kicks that got missed, I'm pretty sure half of them came in that Bengals-Packers game. So, bit of a letdown spot for Cincinnati, right? Like going on the road against just the Lions after almost beating the Packers. So, yeah, like I completely understand where you're at with this play and and, and, you know, last week, the Bengals were our, you know, night out in Vegas team as far as covering the spread against the Packers on a short number. And that's, you know, maybe again, another team here to zig and zag with here, whether it's the Saints or the Patriots, you know, all these teams that we talk about one week to the next might be the case here for the Bengals. Just be careful about this one. I think you're on it here with the Lions. I think that's probably the side that you know, strangely enough, you might want to be on for this game. But otherwise, it's just, you know, you can probably stay away from this game and not really be that bummed out about it. Come Sunday, I do not need to watch the Bengals and Lions. No, <laughs> right. I definitely do not. Right. But one game, I mean, maybe I would have wanted to watch if things were a little different. It's circumstance wise, injury wise, is the Sunday nighter, and right. you know we got the Seahawks at the Steelers. But before we get into the actual particulars, I'm going to give you a reminder that you can head to drf.com slash sports for a full preview on this Seahawks and Steelers game. And we know that a lot of focus is on no Russell Wilson as he's out with an injury. Geno Smith is in. But our guy Scott Grambling writes in part, the Seahawks enter week six as the only NFL team that's allowing an average of more than 450 total yards per game. Now, that's kind of one of the focuses that I want to start out with here because I want to ask you if Big Ben and the Steelers can take advantage of this. And I'm also going to add in the line as the Steelers are five point favorites at home. How are you playing into all this here with this five point advantage here for the Steelers? Nicely yeah. in the Vegas zone. <laughs> yeah, right. Because they, we don't know, right? Like we don't necessarily know what Gino and what, it, you know, the difference between Russell Wilson and somebody else is because we never have to know, right? We all kind of just assume we go like, man, this could get ugly if Russell Wilson's ever not on this team, right? And I always say like Russell Wilson's the MVP of the NFL every year and never gets votes, not because like he deserves to win the MVP because he is literally the most valuable player to his team because again if it was if he was gone it would be you know hell in a handbasket type of a situation right so here comes hell in a handbasket himself it's geno smith which listen we beat up geno because things did not go well to start his career with the jets and then he was thrust in as the you know the guy to break eli manning's consecutive start streak it's like (laughs) that's what we're breaking it for so we can squeeze geno smith in here like what are we doing and then he ends up on seattle and it's like well we're never going to see Gino again because Russell Wilson doesn't get hurt the guy is made of granite and then it happens right and so now we're sitting here going like uh I don't know man I don't know what to do with Gino so let's talk a little ratings stuff here I know you love getting into the ratings I drag you into the conversation on these ratings right Steelers I'll give it to you like you know mediocre team right Uh so like and we know what we're going to get sort of the mediocre version of the packers where you kind of know every week what you're going to get you get solid defense you're going to get like maybe some up and down play from ben roethlisberger but you're going to get both you're going to get the ups and the downs you are not just going to get downs for an entire for entire game and you're not going to certainly not going to get ups for the entire game so i just sit them at 50 
right? They are purely a mediocre okay. team, right? Like, would you argue that they are should be higher or lower than 50 at all? No, I'm cool with that. I'm cool. With yeah, that. right. Like, you'd be like, oh, maybe 55. Like, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you're not, you're not going to be like, oh, I think they're a 70. Um, so, yeah, you're never going to do that. So we know what they are, but we don't know what Seattle is, right? And the headline is Gino and fade Gino and Gino in primetime and all of that sort of thing. And obviously the Pittsburgh defense and the idea of their, them creating pressure. And when Gino was under pressure last week, it did not go very well, right? Like, he was okay when there wasn't pressure, but when there was gross so we don't know from gina here's the thing this number makes sense if you rate the seahawks as a 40 without russell wilson Mm -hmm. if you think they are better than a 40 out of 100 without russell wilson with gino then you need to make a bet on the seattle seahawks if you think they're going to be worse than 40 out of 100. If you think they're going to be the level of, say, the Atlanta Falcons, who are sub 40, or, you know, all of those teams down in that sort of, you know, range. If you think that, then you need to make a bet on the Steelers, right? And that's why this number isn't three. And that's why this number isn't seven or three and a half and six and a half. That's why it's in the Vegas zone, because it's that question, right? And we are going to get that answered, or at least, you know, first data point this Sunday when it comes to this game. Because again, like we know what we're going to get from the Steelers offense, but as much and but as much as the headline is Gino, 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 what's going to happen to the Seahawks offense? What was going to happen with this Seahawks team anyway? Right. Even if Russell Wilson was around because the defense, like you said, like Scott pointed out in that article, he's absolutely right. Like they're atrocious. Right. Again, the headline is the Chiefs defense is bad. The headline is, you know, fill in the blank. Other teams defense is bad. But like, again, Russell Wilson makes up for the idea that the, that the Seahawks defense is terrible. They're cutting their starting cornerback this week because they're like, we got like they're like, it's got to be better. Right. It, it, it can't, like it can't be any worse than this guy. Like get him off the teams. Like he was starting for you last week. Is that going to heal things? No, but it's just like, why are we paying this guy to be awful when we can pay somebody less to probably be just as awful? And mm-hmm. so the Steelers are going to be able to move the ball here. I don't know. I don't think that the Seahawks are going to be able to move the ball here. You could lay the points here with Pittsburgh or, or, just win baby. And now I know that's a Raiders terminology. Okay. But the Steelers are my play here this week for Survivor. Oh. Little Sunday night football action. You're not going to get the sort of sleepy Tomlin team that when they're a favorite, sometimes they're not paying all that much attention. It's oh. Sunday night football, right? Like if this was a one o'clock or a four o'clock game, I'd like it a lot less. The Steelers are the sneaky survivor pick here. If we think that the Colts could lose this week and we don't want the Rams because they're a road team, that's just sort of fundamentally not something I like. And there are places to play the Rams at home, you know, on the turf, if you will, later on in the season. This is one that's sort of we're going to zig a little bit here. We're going to create our own path in survivor. We're going to grab the Steelers here. There's not a ton of other spots, right? They play in a tough division where even the Bengals, obviously, they've already played the Bengals at home. So, you you know, you don't really want to to mess with them on the road but like ravens browns like they don't have that cupcake in their division to take down there's a lions game in a couple of weeks but there's some better options that you can take there including indianapolis after their trial run this week it's the steelers so you can make the play minus five minus five and a half on the steelers but for me i'm invested in this survivor pool so i'm just going to play them to win outright on sunday night i would be stunned i will be stunned if geno smith 
on the road on Sunday night football leads this Seahawks team and that <laughs> atrocious defense yeah. into a victory in Pittsburgh. This could be the one last hurrah for Big Ben on Sunday night football gets all the flowers, the people that want to give Big Ben flowers. I might not be one of those people, but I'm talking about from a league perspective, you know, hey, cool. We could be seeing that picture. Uh, the Monday nighter is also a very interesting matchup with another interesting line as the Bills are favored by five and a half points in Tennessee against the Titans. Um, this is kind of weird to me. The Vegas zone always my first inclination when I see the Vegas zone line is to take the points. And the bills are obviously the talk of the town right now. So <laughs> I just got red flags going off all yeah. over the place here. I know there's that Twitter thing that's going on here where you're seeing red flags. Yeah. This line here, it just tells me something fishy is going on. Yeah. I don't know. Fishy or just like, they're really, really good, man. And they're really, really good. And it's the same thing. It's the same theme. Cowboys, Chargers, Cardinals, yeah, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's everything that sort of adds up to just getting a couple extra points here, right? And we saw Tennessee, pretty much the same team last year, beat up on the Bills in that weird Tuesday night game where the Bills basically kind of oh, gave yes. up, right? They pulled Josh Allen like the third or fourth quarter. They're like, this is stupid. We're not even going to compete anymore. <laughs> I mean, just incredibly tough spot, back-to-back primetime road games, right? So you go to Kansas City, you get, you know, we talked about them going deep into the uh, uh, playbook and just being like, okay, like we've got all this stuff. We've stolen stuff from the Ravens from a run game standpoint. We're just going to bust all this stuff out. They're not going to know what hit them. You know, now it's like, all right, now we got to go to Tennessee. Meanwhile, Tennessee, like they haven't done much this year from a signature standpoint. I expect to potentially see Julio Jones back, right? Another day for him to heal. And now we get the Tennessee team with AJ Brown and Julio and that sort of offense that can keep up with the Bills if they happen to play a little lower in their range, right? Maybe a little below what we expect from the Bills. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, we by Sunday, or excuse me, by Monday, we'll be able to get plus six here, maybe even a little higher than that. As we see, you know, most places like five, five and a half. I think we can get that full six touchdown, maybe a little bit more come Monday once everybody kind of gets focused in on that game. And that's the play that I'm going to make, right? I think the Titans have a chance to win this game and, and, and shock the world, right? And it's just like, a weekly sort of concept uh, in the NFL. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, Titans aren't a team that I necessarily love. And certainly the bills are not a team that I hate, but again, tough spot for the bills, really sort of a, a kitchen sink type situation here for the Titans to borrow a phrase. Um, I like the Titans plus six in this one. I'm certainly waiting for that number before I pull the trigger. I like it. Uh, well, I also like this craziness of the NCAA season as we switch gears to a little college football action. And we always like to start with the big boy matchups here, the kind of the headliners, we'll say. And we got Oklahoma State at Texas, Texas favored by four. What do you like in here in this game? Yeah, this is funny, right? Because Oklahoma State, like mega under the radar, like, you know, they're undefeated. Did you know that? Like, I'm not even sure I knew that, right? They sort of, <laughs> you, you wake up and realize, wait a minute, Oklahoma State hasn't actually lost a game because the second halves of their games, we've talked about this before, they don't actually score points mm -hmm. and they still end up covering numbers because the defense is good enough to give them a lead where they can just sort of sit on that, right? And the thing is now this is a different story, right? You go to Texas and that offense, our guy, B. John Robinson, Casey Thompson, like it's a different 
animal here for Oklahoma State. And you see this number drop down a little bit, which obviously has me a little bit concerned, at least from a market watch type situation here. This was five, five and a half earlier on in the week. We're down to four. I'm still fine with taking Texas here minus the four. I think that team's really, really good. Again, like it sort of fell apart once things got kind of crazy uh, against the Oklahoma Sooners last week. But we've seen them bounce back from devastating losses year after year, unfortunately for them, in the Red River rivalry. And so I think that happens again here. I think Oklahoma State, again, overrated because of the record you know people are sort of just getting into sort of figuring out that that's a pretty good team but they are a good team because of their defense Mm -hmm. and that defense has just been able to do well against some not so great offenses here and so i think texas uh takes care of business uh in this one as we keep things moving here we got kentucky at Georgia, Georgia, obviously still the talk of the entire NCAA, obviously with Alabama going down, all the focus is on Georgia kind of being the leaders of what's going on here. But 21 and a half point favorites. Is that too many points? Well, it, it certainly was early on in the week when it was 23 and a half. Right. I wrote about it okay. uh, for the score. And this obviously one of the big games of the week. And listen, I love Georgia. Like, you know, we've talked about this, what, two weeks ago, talking about how, like, I think they're better than Alabama. I think they're going to beat Alabama. They are the best team in the country. The defense is insane. We get thrown off because the quarterback situation is a little bit dicey and like, it's not, you know, ideal. They don't have that like draft pick level quarterback and that sort of throws everybody for a loop. So yeah, like I was on Kentucky at 23 and a half. And guess what? That was too many points because this number is down to 21 and a half. Now, is there that much of a likelihood of this game ending on 22 or on 23? I mean, you'd be surprised the way these sort of things kind of work out. But as long as you're getting <laughs> over three touchdowns in a game that I think is going to be really low scoring. And I've said okay. that about the Arkansas game. And I potentially said that last week in, in the Auburn game as we actually went with the total last week under 46. And we got there by like a point because Georgia actually gave up 10 points last week instead of zero points. Uh, I think both these teams defenses are really good. I really respect the coaching job that Kentucky has. Uh, gotten under Mark Stoops, right? Like who knew that Kentucky would be undefeated and the 11th ranked team in the country. Like this is new heights for them. They are not going to win this game, but this might be just a game that is 20 to nothing. They might, Kentucky might not score in this game and still cover the point spread, (laughs) right? Like that's where we might be at here with regards to the scoring in this game. Kentucky's offense is a little bit better than I think most people give them credit for because it isn't just a run, run, run type offense the way that it has been in recent years. They are throwing the football more effectively. That being said, you're not going to do anything against this Georgia team. They're not going to win this game. But again, they might cover this game by just scoring the absolute minimum amount of points, which might be three points. It might even be zero points for the cover here. It's just a matter of keeping Georgia out of the end zone. I think Kentucky can do that um, to the tune of, yeah, this might be 21 to nothing, but that's good enough when you're giving 21 and a half. I love it. Pitt minus five at Virginia Tech. Let's keep things moving here with these big games. Yeah, man, like this is the game that we sort of talked about earlier on in the season. And the bad news is that Notre Dame game last week against with Virginia for Virginia Tech, excuse me, that really beat him up. Uh, literally, you know, theoretically, all of those sorts of things, right? Braxton Burmeister is trying to play through the rest of that game because his backup quarterback who comes in for running plays, he's getting carried off the field. 
Burmeister's got the shoulder hanging from the side and he's trying to make throws because they needed one more score to beat Notre Dame and they just couldn't get it. Right. And so they end up blowing that lead because they weren't able to add more, you know, more points to, to the game. And so this is a game that we thought Virginia tech would be favored in when we were looking to grab Virginia tech for the division. Mm-hmm. They are no longer favored because it's looking like Burmeister's not going to play and Pitt, right? We, it's not like we don't like Pitt. We invested in a pit in Kenny Pickett, right? Oh. And for the Heisman. And this is his first look at a really good team, road, you know, tough environment, et cetera, et cetera. This is the start of that road for him to potentially be a Heisman candidate, which is why we've grabbed him. If you haven't already, he's still available at 40 to one to win the Heisman. So we got sort of two conflicting things here where it's like, we like Virginia Tech, we like Pittsburgh. This is where the sort of fork in the road happens, right? Where if, if uh, Pittsburgh wins, as the favorite here, they become the favorite in the ACC. And we might have to say so long to that Virginia Tech bet, but it also then gives Kenny Pickett this platform, if you will, to potentially get in that Heisman Trophy race that, again, we've been talking all season, is wide open no matter what the odds say with Corral and Young at the top of that list. So no play in the game for me here necessarily, but it is certainly a big game because one of these two teams is going to have that inside track at an ACC championship game berth. I got you Uh, talking about the championship game. Alabama went down last week. Can they get back on track as 17 point favorites at Mississippi state? Yeah. You'd assume so. Right. I mean, (laughs) it is Alabama. Right. And so defensively, the key thing is here early on in that Texas A&M, one of their best corners, right. They're sort of nickel corner, obviously a guy who's going to be on the field a lot of the time he gets called for targeting. Obviously, a 15-yard penalty, not ideal, but more of an issue, he gets ejected from the game. He is able to come back because it was the first half of that game and not the second half of that game. That's going to be incredibly important against Mike Leach's offense, which is that air raid, run and gun, you know, five out or, or four wide receiver, one running back, you know, no tight ends, no fullbacks, none of this BS for Mike Leach. He just wants to throw, throw, throw and play that wide open style. Well, Bama can shut that down. Right. But they need all of their guys, all of their secondary players to be able to do that. And I don't mean sort of secondary as in second string. I mean, literally the guys in the secondary. Um, So where Alabama has been vulnerable, right, is to the run game. You saw Texas A&M being able to extend drives in the run game. We saw Florida being able to run against Alabama, which, again, uncharted territory from that standpoint. But it's one of the reasons why we like Georgia in a matchup against Alabama, because they are going to be able to run the ball against Alabama. Mississippi State doesn't really do that, right? It's not their thing here. So I think, you know, Alabama's going to bounce back. They're going to win this game. We're talking about a 17-point spread. Not a game that I want to get involved in necessarily because, like, I don't think this Alabama team is as good as years past. We've talked about that at length, right? We don't want to pay last-year prices for this year's Alabama team, right? That's why we were on Florida way back when. So not a play for me necessarily here, but yes, obviously I would expect Alabama to, you know, have everyone's full attention, right? Nick Saban will have everyone's full attention for this game. Does that mean they cover the 17? You know, I I don't know. It's a stay away from me. I just uh, fully expect them to, uh, to to have a nice showing against Mississippi state. And I want to know who's going to have a nice showing in our next game here because it's a pick game, which are always interesting if you're trying to lay some money down here, but Arizona state at Utah, who are you picking? 
This is a uh, yeah, I'm conflicted, right? Because we talked about Arizona State as this talented team that should be really good. And if they can keep winning games, might sneak themselves into this top four of the college football playoff. Like it's not mm. out of the realm of possibility if they start piling up wins. That's really going to be put to the test this week because, like you said, like a pick em game in college football, like it's almost unheard of, right? Because, you know, even if you think it's number one versus number two and like this game could go either way, a lot of time there's going to be a three point favorite here or there. So both these teams certainly have a path to the division title in the Pac-12 uh, South. And that right there is sort of what makes this a a big game. It's obviously a late night game, you know, maybe a sort of get right game, if you will. As much as I want to trust Arizona State, like this just reeks of a game where Kyle Whittingham is going to have his team ready in Utah. And we watched Arizona State sort of literally fumble a a game away against BYU. So their last trip to the state of Utah didn't go particularly well. So, yeah, I think there's, you know, it's kind of you know, an indicator here that this game is a pick because we think so highly of Arizona state that like a lot of people are going to be on Arizona state here, not having to give points here, but like this Utah t- team with Cameron rising, they just went to USC and absolutely destroyed USC. Now USC is not particularly good, but it's just sort of impressive to see that that offense is clicking a little bit and that is going to do them quite well here against Arizona state. So Eileen Utah in the game. I just don't love that because of how we've sort of felt about Arizona State this season. Okay, okay. Well, I know how I feel about our next segment here because it's becoming one of oh, my boy. favorite things that we do on this podcast. And you can already hear the music cooking. The producer's just on it already. <laughs> it can only mean one thing. It's time for the hurry up offense, a.k.a. some rapid fire NCAA picks. So I'm just going to get out of the way here and let you cook. All right, let's dig in here. Last week we did 23. That was a mistake. Too many games. So let's do a nice, reasonable 19 games this week. Let's go. All right, we got two on Friday. So hopefully you're listening to this before they happen. Assume they actually end, assuming they actually end up as winners. Couple of 13 and a half point underdogs. Let's start with Syracuse at home against Clemson. Clemson's just an auto fade the rest of the way here, right? Especially if you're going to be giving this many points to a team that is not particularly good, right? I know it's Clemson. I know it's this, that, or whatever. Not really a good team. We're taking Syracuse at home. Cal, this one's not going to make a ton of sense because Cal has not looked very good. Oregon is laying 13 and a half at home to Cal. Cal is going to be able to stunt Oregon's uh, offense here a little bit. And I, you know, again, not great results here. That's why we're getting value with Cal. This is a big time sort of step up game for Cal. I think they're going to be able to hang in here with Oregon. Sketchy stuff happens, as you know, prime time in the Pac-12. Those are the games for Friday. Now, as for Saturday is concerned, Auburn at Arkansas. You know, this SEC is so funny because it's like, okay, you lose a big game. Now you have to play the other team that lost a big game last week. We saw that with Arkansas and Ole Miss. Now Arkansas loses on that two-point conversion attempt at the end of the game, a 52-51 game. And Arkansas gets blown out by Georgia. Guess what? Or excuse me, Auburn gets blown out by Georgia. Everybody gets blown out by Georgia, right? Like that's the existence that we live in. I'm not going to beat Auburn up for getting beat up by Georgia. I think they can hang in here with Arkansas. I think they can win this game against Arkansas because Arkansas gave up 326, I think, rush yards last week to Ole Miss. Now, maybe that was because they didn't want Corral to beat them, Matt Corral to beat them. But now Tank Bigsby comes to town and the freshman as well. Like, he's a stud too. And it's like, 
I think Auburn runs all over Arkansas. I don't know how much Arkansas has left to give. You could make the case going into last week's game that they still had everything in front of them. They could win the division. They could get to the SEC championship. With that devastating loss to Lane Kiffin's group last week, that's kind of gone all by the wayside here. So a third straight big game here for Arkansas. I'm going to take the points here with Auburn plus four and a half. Speaking of taking the points, I'm fading Cincinnati again. Not a great move last week. Admittedly, not a great move last week. Central Florida plus 22. It's not the Central Florida of old, but they are that team who is going is going to play you a little bit differently, right? Cincinnati has gone slug it out, like smash mouth football with Notre Dame and Indiana, et cetera, et cetera. UCF does it a different way, right? They spread you out. They want to throw it a ton, et cetera, et cetera. I think they can hang in this number here. Cincinnati's defense is good. It's just a different style of play here for Cincinnati. I still think they win relatively comfortably, but 22 is too many points. Michigan State and Indiana almost left this off, but you know what? This would be the time where they would actually not cover. Indiana plus four and a half at home. Uh, fading, I'm going to keep fading this Michigan State team. Again, maybe not after this week. We failed the last couple of weeks. Again, I don't think they're as good as sort of the record obviously indicates with them. Uh, Rutgers and Northwestern, this is the time. This is the Ruck, uh, excuse me, this is the Northwestern spot, right? It took a visit from Rutgers to get us to bet on Northwestern, which we have basically avoided all season long. Small underdogs here to Rutgers who are just an absolute disappointment. Last week, literally like 80 yard touchdowns left, right, and center against for Rutgers. That was a bummer. Uh, but we're going to be on Northwestern as small home underdogs here. Texas AM and Missouri. It doesn't feel great, but we're going to take Missouri plus the eight and a half. It's just a classic letdown, right? It's just standard operating procedure. Texas A&M gets the big win against Alabama. We're, we're charging the field. It's pat on the back season right now. Now they go to Missouri. They should be able to walk through Missouri relatively easily, especially with how bad Missouri's run defense is. I don't know how, but Missouri's going to hang into this one. Plus eight and a half there. Uh, Duke plus 10 and a half on the road against Virginia. Who is Virginia and that defense who gave up 8.1 yards per play last week to Louisville? And by the way, still somehow won. How, who are they to be laying 10 and a half points against anybody? Duke can actually score with this team. I think they do. And this game gets really interesting at the end. 10 and a half points is too many. Give me Duke. Air Force plus three and a half at Boise State. Off the cuff, a lot of people think Boise State's a good team. I don't. And if BYU, you know, and if Air Force wants to drop the ball on the field all of the time, like BYU did last week, then yeah, Boise State's probably fair to be favored here. I think Air Force is a better team here. We're getting three and a half points because it's on the blue turf and it's Boise and all this sort of thing. Give me Air Force plus three and a half. I think they win the game outright. Here's a rando. Troy at Texas State. We have not said a word about Texas State this season. We are probably not going to say too many words about this. This is a pure Troy fade. Troy's not good. And they are going on the road. Again, a little sort of high-flying-ish offense, or at least they attempt to be, in Texas State. We're getting seven and a half points with a home underdog in the Sun Belt. I am all about that. Remember uh, Lafayette, Louisiana Lafayette this past week? We didn't know why they weren't favored or you know why that game wasn't a pick em against App State. And guess what? Louisiana beat the brakes off App State. Thanks for coming out. Uh, what else we have next here? Uh, BYU and Baylor. <sighs> Baylor might have found something here with, with this offense. Again, I'm not relying on BYU to just roll the ball on the ground like they did last week. 
Baylor minus six here, I think, is a little bit short for a team that can play defense and has found something on offense. Kent State at Western Michigan. I just watched Western Michigan get blown out at home by Ball State last week. And you're telling me Kent State that it's been scrappy, playing really good defense this year. They can't stay within seven against Western Michigan. Give me the seven there. Uh, Do not give me the seven or the seven and a half with the Miami Hurricanes. This program is in shambles. North Carolina massively disappointing season but they're going to take advantage of this Miami team and they're going to beat the hell out of them Miami is going down hard this weekend to North Carolina give me North Carolina minus the seven and a half not even afraid of the hook in this one uh UTSA our road runners we love them like we're on them a lot as underdogs that's not where we're at here right they are 18 point favorites against Rice Never going to say much more about Rice. This is, again, purely sort of a fade that UTSA is going to sleepwalk through this game after a tough one at Western Kentucky last week. We were on them then, and they covered. It was great. They are not going to cover this one. They will probably still win comfortably, maybe a two-touchdown type game, 17 and a half, 18, too many points there. TCU at Oklahoma. Everybody's excited about the Red River rivalry victory. I am, like, undefeated on pronouncing Red River rivalry, and Oklahoma is undefeated. But it has come at a price. One, they don't really know who's going to start for the, you know, for a quarterback, right? Or who who should be starting necessarily. And two, it's been by the skin of their teeth, right? They have yet to cover these big time numbers. TCU, Gary Patterson, he loves this spot as the big underdog. Max Duggan is the guy I trust at the quarterback position in this game. Give me them plus the 13 and a half points. Horn Frogs plus 13 and a half. Four more to go. Uh, This is our spot. This is our Kansas State spot. Skylar Thompson comes back two weeks ago, last minute type thing. And he, you know, still was banged up. They didn't want him to run. We need Skylar Thompson to be able to run the football. They still covered against Oklahoma. It required a kickoff return for a touchdown to do so. But now they've had two weeks off here. They had the bye week last week. I expect Skylar to, like, the the restrictor plate, if you will, to come off, and he's going to be able to run the football. I don't trust the Iowa State uh, Cyclones at any point here. Uh, again, I know it's Brocktober with Brock Purdy. As much as I like handicapping games with puns, no, not happening here. Kansas State may win this game outright. I'll take the six and a half points. Ole Miss and Tennessee. I've never tried heroin. I imagine watching this game is going to be what that is like. Uh, we have a game here that the total is 83 points. What? Yeah, like it's going to be off the rails. Stay away from the total. Like you don't want anything to do with that. I will take a couple extra points with Tennessee. I don't know that that's going to matter because in an 83 point game, two and a half points is nothing, right? But maybe it comes down to a two point conversion. We just saw it in a 52-51 game involving Ole Miss last week. So I'll take those couple of points on the chance that that kind of thing happens. Uh, On the exact opposite, if I've never tried knitting on a Saturday night, but if you are the type to knit and wonder, is it too early for me to go to bed? Army and Wisconsin is absolutely the game for you. That game will put you to sleep. That game will be done early. Uh, 14 points with Army in a game where I'm not sure how anybody scores. I will try that a million times over. And then finally, NC State and Boston College. We have talked quite kindly about NC State. We like NC State. This is a tough spot. Three-point favorites at Boston College. Boston College plus three on Saturday night in Chestnut Hill. 19 games in the hurry-up offense. Hopefully we do better than last week. Hopefully we do as well as we have done literally every other week this season.
Positive vibes, my dude. Positive vibes. Thank you, as always, for coming through and blessing us with the picks and the information and education, as I always love to say. But if the people want even more of your content, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, everything's over at at mrussauthentic, mrussauthentic. All of the stuff that I do over at The Score, all of the stuff I do here, everything just gets retweeted through there. So follow along there. And then we get to live it, right? Celebration and commiseration. We get the ups and the downs. We get to talk about it out there, argue about who's good, who's bad. Not that we do a ton of arguing necessarily. It's more just kind of complaining to each other. Can you believe that happened? And this is can you believe that happened season in yep. in sports in general, right? And whether it's baseball, hockey, or whatever, uh, we're getting close to basketball season. That's going to be outstanding. You did a great job, by the way. Listen to the NBA podcast earlier this week. That was so much fun with Matt Moore. Great job on that. Uh, one of the best times of the year. I stopped short because I love my March Madness. I don't want to say <laughs> it's the best time of the year, but it is one of the best times of the year. And uh, and happy to join you here and uh, talking on all things sports and sports betting. Appreciate you stopping by, my dude. Talk to you soon. Thanks to Matt for coming on the pod. And if you want to follow me online, you can do so on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander and on Twitter at Shell Alexander. Also check out our recent NBA betting season preview in which we take a deep dive into all sorts of things, including who's going to win the MVP, who's going to win the NBA title, coach of the year, defensive player of the year, plus a bunch of player props as well. Tune into that wherever you get your podcast. That's a DRF Sports Podcast, our latest episode before this one. But thank you for rocking with us on this brand new project for DRF Sports. And if you might not be familiar with the letters DRF, well, Daily Racing Form has been around for over 100 years, giving you all of the horse racing information, data, and analysis. But now we're taking over the entire sports world. So if you want coverage on every football game, as well as the NBA, MLB, and more, you got to head to drf.com slash sports for all the details and insights, because the site has all the data on every game, including offensive and defensive stats, betting angles, line movements, key injuries, head-to-head records, and team stats. The DRF data is what powers our power trends. So if you want to see which trends our analysts have selected, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. But if you want access to the raw data, drf.com slash sports. That's where you need to be for all of the usual previews. Plus, we go in-depth on this podcast. However you want your betting information, we've got you covered. Again, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and this is a DRF Sports Podcast. It's all we got for now. But until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the DRF Sports Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. For more sports betting advice, go to drf.com backslash sports and follow on Twitter at DRF underscore sports.